0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost uh, is the Greek word for 50, so it is 50 days after the Passover. You remember, uh, can you believe that it was only 50 days ago that we celebrated Christ uh, being our Passover Lamb as the priest and as the sacrifice in the feast that we commonly call Easter. So after the Passover, uh, the ancient Jews would celebrate this uh, this feast called Shavuot or the Feast of Wheats, and this was uh, two celebrations in one. It's the celebration of the first wheat harvest, so that early wheat harvest, and it's the celebration of the giving of the Law, the giving of the Ten Commandments. So they were doing two things: celebrating uh, that giving, that provision of God in uh, in the wheat harvest in the produce of the earth, and in the produce uh, that living bread which is the word of God. So both that that physical bread and that living spiritual bread, both being celebrated. And this is why all the Jews from all over the world are gathered in Jerusalem on this day. They're there to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. That's the, the feast that they're there for. And so they come to celebrate and what they find is a celebration not like they had ever seen before. They find that celebration fulfilled in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fulfills that gift because again, that living bread of the Spirit is given to them. You'll recognize that uh, not only is this uh, whole crowd of Jews from all over the world gathered, but the apostles are gathered, and they're gathered in the upper room where they had been meeting for weeks since before uh, Jesus was crucified, and they're there, you'll see in the Acts of the Apostles, in one place of one accord. So these are two fundamental criteria for the church. We are the church when we meet in one place and when we are meeting with one accord. That means we're meeting all for the same reason. We all are here and we are all the church when we are here in order to worship the Lord. If we're here for another reason, we're not being the church. So when we're unified in place and in purpose uh, under uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are the church. And because they've humbled themselves, they've lowered themselves, they're ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember that Jesus has already given them the Spirit. He's breathed on them. So they've had the Holy Spirit, uh, but now the Holy Spirit is alive and acting in them in this new and bold and profound way as it is time for this harvest. It's time for the harvest of the Spirit to come. And they've further submitted themselves and humbled themselves in obedience before the Lord. This is what's required of us if we're going to participate in this harvest. We have to submit ourselves. We have to say, I'm going to give up what I had planned to do what I might like to do instead on, on this day or whatever my plans might have been. And I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to submit to the plan of God. And when we do that together as the church, then we're opening all the doors and windows of our hearts and our minds. And we're allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and to act in us and to lead us into His holy ways. We're uh, able uh, to be instruments of the Lord. And truly, the apostles are instruments of the Lord. They become these, these mouthpieces Uh, to do these mighty works. And what is it that they do? They tell of the works of God. That's what they do. They tell about what God has done. So that is the mission and ministry of the church, right? We are here to tell each other, to remind each other, to remind ourselves, and to tell the world what it is that the Lord has done. This is the work of the church, is to tell the world this is what the Lord is doing, Uh, this is what He's doing through us, this is how He is acting in love to the world, And so we're invited to come and participate. And that's what St. Peter says. He says, uh, the Lord is now speaking through us and to make us instruments. And we see that all these languages are spoken. Christianity is the only major world religion throughout history uh, that is not an ethnic church in any way. We do not require anyone to speak a certain language. Uh, We recognize that all nations, all peoples come together uh, to worship the Lord. So there one language, there isn't one tribe that's represented, but all peoples are brought together in unity in God this is a reversal it's a miraculous reversal of the curse of Babel in Genesis we read that the nations of the earth were gathered together, the peoples of the earth were gathered together for one purpose, they had unity which is what the world tells us we're supposed to have, right? We all get together, we're all on the same page, we all work together, we'll do great things. This is what the people of Babel said. Let's all get together, we'll all work together, we'll do something great. What was their problem? Their problem was that they were doing it to glorify their own name. They were going to put their name on the top of the building. Look what we did. Look how great we are. And this is the fundamental sin that separates us from God. Pride. To say, I need some credit. Somebody needs to recognize me. I did this. Look how great I am. And so that self-centeredness of pride is what separates them from God. And the Lord sees that they continue down this path. They'll be totally separated from me. And the way that Satan and his demons are. And they won't be focused upon uh, me and my loving word. They'll be uh, totally captive to their self-serving self-centeredness. And so he confuses their language. You'll see that what the Lord does is he doesn't make everybody speak the same language, but he gives them the Holy Spirit so that they're not saying the same words, but they're saying the same thing, right? It's not the language that gets changed, it's the message that gets changed. So now the apostles are proclaiming the glory of God and not the glory of man. And this is the unity that Jesus tells us he has with the Father. Even though he could claim all of this glory for himself, even though Jesus could uh, claim all this authority for himself, even though he could stand up and say, I made heaven and earth, I did all these things, he tells us clearly in John chapter 14 that everything he speaks is the words of the Father, that he's speaking the words of the Father, and that he has unity with the Father, that the Father and the Son have total unity because of the Son's willingness to humble himself in obedience. ...to the Father. And when He humbles Himself, when Jesus humbles Himself to become flesh, to become man, to dwell among us, to wash the feet of the disciples, to serve them, He is in perfect unity with the Father. And this is a unity that He invites us to participate in. He says that we too can be one with Him and the Father if we would humble ourselves, if we would be obedient ourselves to the words that the Father speaks. So we're invited to participate in the Holy Trinity and He says, if you will do this, my Helper will come. See, we need help to do this, right? The Helper is the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We can't give up our own plans. We can't give up those desires of our hearts that lead us to do all these things that we think are great and cool and to, and to put our names and lights and to glorify ourselves we can't get that humility we can't get that self-sacrifice we can't focus on the lord and have that clear mind we can't hear his voice we can't perceive his will without the helper and all the miracles whether it's speaking in tongues or whether it's healing or any of those things all those miracles are pointed to are pointed to us hearing the father and doing what he tells us to do all those miracles are for that sole purpose so that's the what that's what we're supposed to be doing but what about the why 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 are we supposed to do all that? Love. Love is why God sent his son. Because he loves us and he wants to have that intimate unity with us. And the only reason that we could possibly have for laying down our own plans and our own desires and our own thoughts is for us to love him back. The greatest day in any parent's life is when the child says, You know what? I like having a clean room. I like bathing. I like doing these chores. Right? That's the greatest day a parent has. Right? Because we know the difference, right? I can have my children clean their room because I make them, but the difference between that and them wanting to have a clean room, I won. It's a total transformation. And it's the same between us and the Lord. He could force us to do what He wants us to do, but that we would desire to do His works, that we would desire to lay down our own lives, that we would desire to sacrifice for one another, that we would yearn and long for a chance to serve Him and one another in love. That makes all the difference. When we're in love, nobody makes us do what our beloved does is doing. Nobody made me do what Aaron wanted to do, right? I wanted to do what she wanted to do. I wanted to go to the restaurant she wanted to go to. I wanted to go and do the things that she was doing. Why? Because I love her. I want to do what she's doing. Nobody's making me do it. When we're in love, we want to do what the other wants to do. When we're in love with the Lord, we're constantly listening for His voice. What's next, Lord? What's next? What do you want me to do? What are we doing today? What wonderful things are we going to do today? What's next? What's next? Because he first loved us. And when we love him, Jesus says, we keep his commandments. When we love him, we keep his commandments. May we love him more and more each day. And may the helper shape our hearts and minds to yearn and long and desire for his will and for his word.